Quite the Thing Media, we aim to bring you the best podcasts produced by independent creators, made without constraints. Hello and a warm welcome back to What a Maneuver podcast with me, Kev, and as always, I am joined by Sai. Hello. Oh, hello. Uh, and this week we're going to talk about tag teams and those of you of a certain vintage like myself will remember the time when Demolition added a third member. And this week we have got a third member along with us and I'm pleased to announce that Craig Fry has joined us. Craig, welcome. Hi, how are you doing chaps? Good, good. Ah, we're good, mate. We're good. Now you've, you've listened to the previous pod so you know that we plan very little. We talk for a while and then we put it out and we generally get quite good feedback on it. So um, before we get started on the tag teams, give us a wee bit of your history with the, the world of sports entertainment, pro wrestling. When did you start watching? And give us a wee, just a quick rundown of some of your favourites. Oh, I started in 91, um, relying on hiring VHS videos or watching WCW worldwide. So... There'll be, for me, there's a lot of WCW tag teams, Hollywood Blondes, Dangerous Alliance, um, then, like, you know, early 90s, um, WWE, Legion of Doom, Heart Foundation, Guilty Pleasure, Minds and Nasty Boys, um, and then the latter resurgence to, uh, Edge Christian, Dudleys, etc., and some that just don't get the respect from the WWF Hall of Fame, like, um, the Steiners, so. Big fan of tag team wrestling. So, man, this is part of the main reason behind it, because we were talking in our group chat, what was it, a week or so ago, Sai, a couple of weeks ago, and Colin hit with, I don't like tag team wrestling. And I was like, how can you not like tag team wrestling? It's something that's different from your singles, clearly. You can tell many, many different stories. You can have big guys, you can have fat guys, you can have a mixture of a big guy and a wee guy, you can have... I mean, the WWF tag team, or WWE, I should say, tag team division now is a bit of a mess, but they've got that big, what do you call that big guy side that's way just there? Was it Amos or something? Amos, yeah. Amos, aye. So, I mean, and they're brilliant tag teams for hiding things. Like, if a guy's not very good, you put him in the, the apron, you give him a hot tag, you bring him in, and he looks amazing. It's good for if people are injured, you can put them on the card, and again, they don't really need to know much, but. I just I always enjoy tag team wrestling and Sai, we we spoke before, we we're in the same similar sort of age and when I started watching and you can join me in naming any tag teams you remember, but it was like the Rockers, the Hearts, the Bulldogs, Demolition, the L O D I quite think of any others. Power and Glory, who had an amazing finishing move that I loved. <laughs> any of you remember that? Oh yeah, superplex into a splash. Superplex off one rope and then the other guy came off the top into a splash. A brilliant tag team move and I love tag team finishers. I mean, don't get me wrong, for every sort of Dudley boys, there's, like we discussed before we come on, there's the, the new LOD or the new Blackjacks or when they try to repackage people into old gimmicks and it never really, really works. But Sai, what was your sort of first impression of tag team wrestling? Can you, what was your early ma- memories of matches? Oh, I remember it was eighty nine, ninety, remember it first. So Rockers, Bulldogs, the Hearts when they were still going, demolition were kinda I uh, nineteen ninety they were kinda on their way out. That's when they turned into the three man tag team, I think one of them was at Axe had, had 
problems with his heart or something, so he was kind of... They thought he did, but he turned out he didn't. <laughs> nah, they were phasing him out. Um, aye, the Rockers, I mean, they, they were always the ones that you, you were, they were the under, underdog, and the only Express they had a good match with them. Was that the, one of the Royal Rumbles? Aye, that was a good match, but they always seemed to come up short. They never seemed to, to get the big one, and then when they did, it was non-televised or something, the, the ropes all broke, and it's just one of the things with them, they were a good team, they just never ever got the credit they, they deserved really, um, so they were kind of one of the, the, the bigger ones at the time so I think other ones, obviously the Hart Foundation he split up and then Brett went his own way, Jim Neidhart ended up with Owen Hart for a while I can't, was it the New Foundation they called it? The New it? Foundation where they wore like yeah. I always thought they were a taxi because they remember they had like black and white sort of patches yeah. on big baggy trousers man, Oops. yeah Split them up and then they put was it Owen and Coco Beware. They were high energy, so <laughs> it was just that was your sort of nineteen ninety ninety two period where it was. I mean, it was still a good, but it wasn't as good as it was eighty nine ninety um ninety one uh, sort of time. So, but again, we'll probably talk about it throughout the whole the whole pod. There's there's certain periods in history where we'll look back favourably on tag wrestling, whereas the current sort of era we definitely won't. I'd say we're probably we've probably not seen good people are going to say yeah, New Day, this, that, that's fine. But in my opinion in the WWF especially the tag scene for the last at least fifteen years hasn't been great. I mean, the last time I really enjoyed it was when you had like the Raw and SmackDown tag titles initially and you'd like guys like uh, Eddie Guerrero, Chavo winning it. Benoit was even getting involved. Just really good time. Batista was even involved for a while in that sort of scene, and that that was actually half decent, even though they were teams that were thrown together. But they put a lot of thought into the storylines back then. But it's um, changed times we know today. But early days was obviously the Heart Foundation, the LOD uh, teams like that for me. And Craig, you mentioned some like you obviously. <laughs> Like all of us back when we started before we before the days of now when you can put on YouTube and find any match you want from any territory. You could use the WWE network to find most of the things if you're not on Peacock, of course. Um but again like me and Sai you had to scrounge about and try and find your wrestling. If it was either WCW or it was VHS tapes either from friends or from the old video shop, which are, a lot of people probably won't even know what a video shop is. Um, <laughs> one pound fifty a bash at the video shop in Campus High Street. <laughs> I was going to say we used to be in Aberdeen, so they probably still got them up there because they probably don't move to DVDs yet. But uh, the thing was, you would, yeah, you would watch all these things. Still on <laughs> you would watch all these things in like no particular order. I could watch WrestleMania Seven, and then the next one I'd rent would be like SummerSlam '88, and it's just. There's no rhyme or reason the way you, you watch it. You couldn't have watched them in any particular order, but the things that would always stand out were you had your Hulk Hogan, which was your main draw, but then underneath the card you had, as we've discussed, excellent tag team matches. And one I watched the other night was um, Demolition versus uh, the Hearts SummerSlam, where the Hearts take the belt from them. And it was a big occasion. And so you talked about WCW, but was there any teams that really caught your eye in the early days of WCW, because WCW again in the 80s were really, really big on tag teams, but come the early 90s that cycle had sort of died off and, and they were doing the thing where they just pair random wrestlers together that they're not really getting anything to do, 
You mentioned yeah, the Hollywood Bonds earlier. That's a perfect example. You had like your night, late ninety ones. So you're talking about Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, Shane Douglas, Hollywood Blondes stand out. Steiners were were still there. Um, Dangerous Lions, Bob Eaton, um, and Arn Anderson. And then they had that had that NWA um, tag team title tournament this summer, and it was um, the miracle violence connection of Doctor Destiny Williams and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. But uh, you know, you talk about that in the going down to the video shop, and you know, I used to try and like you know, catch up with WWE pay per views um, chronologically. So I was always very cross if I got <laughs> couldn't get you know from SummerSlam to Survivor Series. Um, but that was our thing as well. I mean, back back in the day, there was only four pay per views, and one of them was Survivor Series, which is a pay per view all about tag team wrestling. And then when you delve down further than that, you used to have those massive twenty man tags where you'd have like five face teams and five heel teams, and the amount of talent in there is just absolutely unbelievable. I mean, Simon's talked about it. You've got. You've got the Rockers, you've got the Heart Foundation, you've got the British Bulldogs, you've got Demolition, Powers of Pain, Conquistadors, British Bulldogs, Fabulous um, Rouges. Rouge, uh, it's uh, just wall-to-wall talent. Um, and that's before you even bring the Bushwhackers or the Nasty Boys, which are two guilty pleasures into it. Uh, the Bushwhackers were always like, anytime as an adult in my house, they would enjoy watching the Bushwhackers. And yeah. I mean, you watch it now, and <laughs> to have a wrestler come down the hill and lick your child is probably not the best thing. And as we record this in the middle of a pandemic, I don't think it would fly very far, but um, aye, it's amazing when you look back and, like, obviously we we had WWF goggles on, right, or WCW goggles on, so we were told these were the bushwhackers and they're two daft guys, but yeah, now... When you listen to podcasts and you go back further, you find out these were really two violent, violent men. And they were like, oh, we really liked them. They were nice, warm, fuzzy characters who used to use probably the worst Spanish ever in the battering ram. Remember that? Uh, what was it? Books would take Luke's head and just ram them into people. It was terrible, man. But like you say, that the other thing as well, do you remember WCW used to do the, what was it? The, was it Lisa Lottery? Oh, they used to have that battle bowl round about Starcade time, wasn't it, where they'd randomly pair up two tag teams and then they'd go into a battle royal at the end of the night. Um, and then the other tag one was war games, like Fall Brawl. See, the, 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 the battle bowl, with lottery, whatever it was called, I thought that was quite a good idea because you would have to sort of, you were going for a bigger prize, so like you might not like the guy you're tagged with, but you'd need to work together. Because you both benefit from it to go into this bigger, bigger match. And oh, what was the bigger prize though? The bigger prize was a diamond ring. Hmm. <laughs> wonder where that. Wonder where that came from, Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> wonder what modern uh, promotions, uh, promotions copying that. <laughs> Sai, we've probably watched some of these, haven't right. we? The old battle balls and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I thought it was quite a good concept. I'm pretty sure I read that one, well, WCW, I think they've done it legit, like random, a couple of times rather than, than rig it. Um, I don't quite understand that, but surely that's a good way to get some people into storylines. It's something different. And again, like we said before, you get to tell that story of, okay, you've got Sting and, I don't know, give me somebody else from early days in WCW, 
Michael sure. P.S. Hayes. Sting yep. is not a tag wrestler, he's a singles wrestler. But then they might come up against, again, top of the just randomly, right? Brian Nobbs and beautiful Bob Eaton, who are both tag wrestlers. So then you can tell that story of, yes, Sting is clearly the better individual wrestler, but you're putting them in a tag team situation, and these two guys are great tag wrestlers, held so many tag titles. So then this, from a, a fan point of view, puts it in Sting in jeopardy because... He's never teamed with his partner, and then at least these two know each other. So again, I think that's something that somebody should bring back. Maybe not at a full scale like WCW done, but over a couple of weeks, it would certainly fill some hours on Raw. Yeah, it's it's, it's one to consider uh, going forward. But again, a lot of people, the more modern fan, would jump down your throat and say, "Ah, oh, they're just doing this to stick guys that aren't getting any TV time together." So. You've got to try and go over those hurdles as well. And I mean, you, you kind of see anything, anything WWF and out. Fans are just getting on at them for just anything that just slightly goes wrong. Um, well, we're, we're a product, anyway. We're not too far removed from um, the bar. You know, yeah. that was two guys randomly put together and made it work. You know, same thing with Hollywood Blondes. You know, if, they, if you've got the talent... They can make that work. I mean, yeah. I think it's, you've got to try and bring structure to. I mean, you start looking at WrestleMania cards and like since the brand extension, they've had like two sets of tag belts. You know, mm-hmm. I think count on one hand how many WrestleManias both sets of tag belts were d- defended. There were some where they weren't even defended at all. They were just chucked in. You had your tag champs. You know, where you know WrestleMania two, a tag team title was one of the uh, one of the main events, and mm-hmm. you've now got them in a woman pre-show. It's just you know they devalue their own product in that regard. Again, that's as Vince, isn't it? He's he's never truly liked that whole tag team thing. He's had to always get his arm twisted to get it high on the card in the early days, and and now you can see it with him having that total control. He just doesn't he doesn't have the same passion that others did have about it. So that's quite sad. I mean. We would always think the top three matches in the card back in the old days, world title, IC title, and the tag titles were your top three matches. And you would either have them spread through the card, or first first match, middle match, last match. But now, as you say, tag tag matches go on pre-show, or sometimes you get taken off a pay-per-view altogether and get bumped to the next night in Raw. So as it's pretty sad what it's became. It's, I've always said that I believe that a tag, a good tag feud right over the belts, could main event a pay-per-view, right? An IC mm-hmm. title match. Again, this, this is what it used to be good, because like Craig Cuts on LA, if you have about four or five pay-per-views, right? Your, your temples, right? Your Rumble, your Mania, if you want to include King of the Ring, include that, but slightly different, because obviously that should be a tournament format. SummerSlam Survivor Series, right? So they, they are your headline events. But say the May pay-per-view, that, that could quite easily be headlined by a tag, a tag team feud, which gives the rest to your world title, and it makes you feel special the next time it comes along. And the same with an October pay-per-view or something, that could easily be headlined by an IC title match. And I, I do agree, I think there should be one set of tag belts, there should be one world title, and I've said it before, I'm on record, I'd quite happily have Raw's title be the IC belt, and SmackDown's title be the US belt, and then have a Roman champion, a world champion that can go on any brand. And the same with the tag belts. They can go on any any brand. And Si, you're right. I mean, what's, what's this event? I've picked out an event at random. SummerSlam, 88, opening match, the Bulldogs versus the Fabulous Rujos. Mm-hmm. The fourth match, the Powers of Pain defeated the Bolsheviks. And then match number seven out of ten, 
Demolition defeated the Heart Foundation. And then, of course, your main event is the Mega Powers, Mega Powers uh, versus the Mega Bucks, which is a totally different sort of tag team match. Every every one of them is a different match. You've got the Bulldogs, which is your two sort of beefcake muscle guys, versus your stereotypical chicken shit heels and the Rougeos. Uh, the Powers of Pain are even more muscular, if you can believe that. Um, the Bulldogs are probably slightly better workers, I'll say, than the Powers of Pain. Uh, the Bolsheviks, who were... Craig, how would you describe the Bolsheviks? Demi, it's never seen them. They were... They were were they? <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. Summed up carefully. Bang on the money. Foreign heels. Why do you really like them? Because they sing the Russian national anthem. And, yeah. of course, we're right in the middle of the Cold War. Aren't we? Yeah. Uh, right in the middle of the Cold War. Tell you what, Kevin, jump on to the next SummerSlam. Or, um, or I'll take it if you want. Cool, SummerSlam 89. Um, first match, Brain Busters against Heart Foundation. Fifth, um, fourth match on the card, Rick Martel and the Fabulous, uh, Fabulous Rouges against Tito Santana and the Rockers. Sixth match, Jim Duggan and Demolition against Andre the Giant and the Twin Towers. And then your main event, another tag team main event, Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake against Randy Savage and Zeus. Hmm. So again, right, you mentioned the Brain Busters and right, we've got, so I'm into the early WWF goggles side, right? So I'm a wee guy, I'm 10 years old, so I do not know there's any other federation out there. I just think that if you want to be a wrestler, you go to WWF and if you're a bad guy, you generally get a manager. So mm-hmm. out come these guys to open the show, the Brain Busters. Now, I have no idea about the Four Horsemen or anything like that. But I see they're with Bobby Heenan, so I know they're legit. They've got matching jackets. They're very, very straight jackets. They're, they're playing. They've got their initials on them. These guys mean business. They're a tag team. And they're up against the Hearts. And they end up beating the Hearts. They, they are money right then. And then you move on to the next match. That Jake talked about Mike Martel and of course Santana were a tag team, which yeah, is the other bonus close. you get out. Yep, that's the other bonus you get out of tag teams. You get ready-made feuds there, ready waiting to happen. It's yeah, spot on. Isn't it? It's you've got your feuds, and you can break people up. You can have them attack each other. You can have them fall out. You can have them agree and shake hands to go separate ways, and then meet in the rumble. And stuff like that. There's a million and one things you can do with a tag team, but it's it's just it's a lost art. I mean, I've heard over the years, say si, that Vince doesn't like paying two guys where he could just pay one guy <laughs> for a spot in the card, and that can't be right, can it? No, can't because I mean he has his multi-man matches all the time, so triple threats, fatal four ways, six man. You know, it's uh, I kind of see that being been right but it's definitely a doubt to him not, not liking that tag style of wrestling and I mean I know you, you are a traditional tag fan when you've got to be in the corner holding the tag ropes and we'll probably get to that as well but again that's one of the wee rules that he kind of done away with that whole behind the referee's back the tags getting made stuff like that it's, it's just totally faded out out of wrestling now and it's, it's a shame it's um it's, I'll never get back to, to what it previously was, so there's no point in his moaning really for it now. It's not <laughs> going to go back to those days. So, um, but no, it's, it's, yeah, sorry. It's even when, like, you know, tag matches have been allowed to main event pay per views, it's always been like, you know, a sideshow because it's yes. champion or another storyline. You'd never have seen, like, you know, tag team A against tag team B. You know, main event at WrestleMania 1, it's Hogan. 
Um, you know, we talked about the SummerSlam, the early SummerSlam main events. Even we talked about the, you know, the the gap pay-per-views in between the the big five. Um, 1998, it was Austin and Taker against uh, Mankind and Kane, but that was to build towards Austin. Uh, Austin and, and Taker at SummerSlam. Even early 07, I think, the February pay-per-view was Michaels and Cena versus Taker and Batista. But again, it's building towards that, you know? You know, if you were actually investing... I remember, sorry, one of, was, it one of the, was it King of the Ring 97, Austin and Michaels were partners and champions and they stuck them in a match together. That was That's the first uh, time they've really done that. The two champions facing off and it's kind of really kicked off through there as well with the they do that, the sort of jeopardy, tag team and jeopardy, and the two partners go up against each other. And do you know, and do you know what? We fast forward on a month later, probably one of the best main events and best pops you'll ever see in wrestling, Canadian Stampede, 10-man yeah. tag match. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sai mentioned the rules there, Craig. I love rules in wrestling, right? I think it's such a basic thing that if you are a parent, and you take your child to see wrestling, the rules are set out, and the bad guys break them. See, as a child, you're going to go nuts. You're going to buy in, and you're going to believe. You're going to start shouting at the referee, saying they're cheating, they're cheating, they're cheating. And it's just such a simple thing to get heat, whether it be, like Sai said, not holding the tag ropes, whether it be coming in, switching partners, and making the old tag sound yourself, whether it be holding somebody when they're doing a move to help the partner and then the referee eventually, funnily enough, usually after three times of checking, finding that they're cheating. I just think it's such a basic, basic thing. Tell me you're with me, Craig. Tell me you love rules in tight team wrestling. 100%. And even general rules in wrestling. You have to defend your title every 30 days unless you're Brock Lesnar. <laughs> unless you're on a part-time contract and you've only got so many days <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but that that could be a, a pod for a, a, a different day where we discuss uh, part-timers but the one thing, and you touched on it there one thing WWF creative loves is the, the reluctant partners that are due to feud over the title, win the tag belts I think every time John Cena's won a tag title, it's been with somebody he's been feuding with over the, the world title <laughs> Probably true. Cena, but he's still Oh no, did he not have it with David Otunga once? Yeah, he did, when he was in the, well, supposed to be in the Nexus, wasn't it? Don't really like to talk about David Otunga too much, because... I think he's still under the Yeah, literally is acting as an attorney for them, yeah. Literally is acting as an attorney. Oh, they used to bring in like freebird rules and stuff like that, and I don't think MD had any idea what freebird rules were in the WWF, because obviously it was like more a WCW or NWA thing where any two of the three could defend the titles, and it, it wasn't that's even another called, brilliant spin. It wasn't even called the freebird rule until like only about ten years ago when Demolition did it. They never called it a freebird rule. Uh, um, you know, it was any member of the team can. Uh, can defend. Oh, then they brought in the out rule for like fatal four weeks when um, Billy pinned Gunn each pinned each other. <laughs> that, was, that was another good one about you know hiding weaknesses. Billy Gunn's asthmatic, so we, hence he's never really had a great singles run, but he's one of the most decorated tag team wrestlers. 
I mean, people say that it wasn't the same match all the time where <laughs> Road Dog would get his ass beat and then he'd give Billy the hot tag because Billy looked like the superstar. And again, those two guys apart, they never really done much else. I know they were IC level challengers and stuff like that, but when you put them two together, Si, you remember this. We've talked mm-hmm. about 97 enough. How good were they it was? I mean, you're never going to hold their, their matches up to say that they were outstanding in the ring and maybe give you like, any 10-star matches, but if you want a tag team that's over, I think you'll struggle to find one more over than the Outlaws. No, they, they came right at the right at that sort of start of the Attitude Era. They, they just hit the spot right away, do you know what I mean? They were who did they start off against? Hello D for a couple of feuds. James really, Charlie and Cactus yeah, Jack. Yeah, I mean, that match made them. That, the WrestleMania match. They, they two putting the yeah, it was over big time, even though Cactus Jack and Terry Funk won the match. Do you know what I mean? But no, that, that was um, that, that really made the two of those sort of early feuds. I mean, they even Hello D put them over. And they beat them clean, I'm pretty sure, as well. It wasn't just one of these ones where it was a, a cheat to win. So, no, Her- they came... It came to right the South Park t-shirts. Yep, that's it. <laughs> they, they tapped into that modern culture as well that was kicking off at the time. South Park obviously came around late 97, early 98 in America before they came over here, but they, they just seemed to, to tap into everything that the, the fan base has liked. And, and as you say, they were the, the team of the Attitude Era, really, until like your Edge and Christian and that came along. It's like, yeah, it was like the February pay-per-view that came out in the Oilers t-shirts and just, you know, classic sh- shit-stirring heels. But the other, the other bit I always think about is there's been guys that have had singles careers, they've been pretty good singles careers, and then they'll spend a little bit of time in the tag team scene and they turn out, they come out the other end better wrestlers because, of, you know, Austin, the Hollywood Blondes example, but the Outlaws, who did they feed for for about six months? Um... Early, late 97, early 98. Mick Foley. End of that yeah. year, Mick Foley's the world champion. <laughs> you know <what>? so <laughs> And good. they're helping them win it. That was the thing. They helped, they helped them yeah. win the title. So there you go. It's closing the circle. And then, and then feuding again next year with the Rock and Sock connection against New Year's Outlaws. But it still felt fresh. I've spoke about it before that when WWF's informed, they can give you a main event of what's just the one I always use is. Austin versus Taker, and what did we say they feuded? Si? Was it like May of '97? Yeah. Is Cold Day in Hell? Yes, uh, the wee one-off match, roughly. Aye. Aye. and then the next year the main event in SummerSlam again, and then the next year after that because they keep just tweaking wee things, tweaking wee things, and yep. they're not doing the thing where they fight at pay-per-view, they fix it, they fight the next night on Raw, and then they fight in a tag match, and then they fight the next night on pay-per-view. Yeah, well, do that. They go May 99, then they go the multi-man at Armageddon 2000, and then they've got a summer feud, um, a post-WrestleMania feud for the April and May pay-per-views in 01, and then they're still feuding at the the May 02 pay-per-view before Austin takes his ball and goes home. It's like, I think May must have just been their month. (laughs) But uh, you can never say that that didn't feel... You're never, you're never going, oh, here we go again. Remember, there was a time, I was going to say a couple of years ago, it's probably about 10 years now, where nobody ever wanted to see John Cena and Randy Orton in the same match again. Yeah. It was just every was. single week they were feuding, man. And it was just so boring. Well, that's another one you're going to get soon. You're going to get Orton and Riddle winning the, the titles, probably. 
this weekend. I suppose they split up. No, well, they're, they're kind of back together again, but he just done that for fun, I think, at the end of last week's row when he RKO'd him because he was laughing after it. So he's not fully turned heel on him yet. I think they'll wait until they've, until they've actually won the belts before they do the sadistic autumn turn. I mean, that's just a sort of way, and that, that's, I you know, like we said, Lawrence, a good way of keeping a guy on TV that's been on TV for years and just giving him something different to do. Uh, Seamus, you boys mentioned the bar earlier on. I'm no great lummer of Seamus. I, I don't mind Cesaro, but he's a wee bit bland. But I thought that that was a good tag team, and they, they got a good run in. They were together a few years, weren't they? Yeah. That was a good run. And now Randy Orton, who's been in the world tag picture, the world title picture, going all pure under the giant here. I've just won the world tag team title and I've won the world belt. Um, but it's something for Randy Orton to do with, like you said, Sai, he can have a wee bit more comedy in him, unless he's yeah. doing a bit clown or anything like that. Um, but it gives him something to do. And, and this it's like it's letting um, Riddle sit under the learning tree as well, you know, it's like when Batista was a tag team with Ric Flair, you know, Orton had his, you know, first aborted push when he was victim to the Triple H shovel, but then RKO <laughs> new lease of life. Yeah. And it's, it gives people, like you said, a chance to learn, a chance to be up close watching these guys work. Somebody far more experienced, like Randy Orton has been there, done that, caught the band for it, got the t-shirt. Shat in the bag. Shat in the bag, and he's done everything. And now, somebody like Riddle, who I think they have quite high hopes for, he's no master of bag of wrestler, but it's... Aye, they just want to knock the immaturity out of him. I suppose that's probably the way to put him. That's the gimmick. Yeah. It's an idea guy to put him with. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think I think one of the biggest problems you've got with WWE is the fact that with the network, with the um, doing their own movies, they lost their crossover appeal. You know, so mm-hmm. you didn't have like Austin being Jake Cage and Nash for ages. You didn't have um, you know Rock going off to do movies, and you're almost seeing a resurgence of that now. With I'm just been watching Fast and Furious Nine. You've got Cena, you know. Yeah. New, Really becoming the crossover star, and you know, I think once they get that, but I mean, I think Riddle Riddle could be a fantastic crossover star because he's just comedy gold, and I'd love to see yeah, him. And, him and Goldberg or him and Lesnar because neither neither of those two like him. I'll get stiff one. Sai, you're fond of AEW, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, definitely. What is your thoughts? I want to ask Craig in a minute. What is your thoughts on their tag division? Because I think they've got the best tag team in wrestling right now. The the former revival, FTR. Mm-hmm. But as oh, Jim Burnett says every week, they don't ever get to wrestle. They're always, they come in and they were jobbed out to the Young Bucks. Yeah. I mean, that's just... They, they're your top two tag teams in the whole whole company really and it, it's quite hard to not put them together all the time because you know the kind of matches they'll have the whole tag division started off pretty sloppily to begin with you had Hangman and Kenny Omega were the, were the tag title holders before you had the, they beat the Young Bucks I think a few times as well so it's um, it's hard to keep those two teams away from each other as much as 
they probably want to do the matches, but with both of them being mega heels now, it's going to be really hard to to bring them back anytime soon. And I really don't know where where it goes just now because there's not really many teams still kicking about. I mean, you've, you you look at them, you've got Death Triangle, that's Pack, Ray Phoenix, and Penta. They're sort of they wrestle a two, sometimes a three. Obviously, you get FTR, and then you've got the Young Bucks, and that that's it. Really, they get three main, three main ones because everyone else is, is split up really. Apart from well, the one that the last pay per view bought, was it John Moxley and Eddie Kingston? They were together, so I mean, but they're not a tag team in the loosest sense. They're just two pals teaming up for a laugh and um, trying battle the Young Bucks as well. So, <laughs> and you can't really take <laughs> any of those really. Really, apart from Santana and Ortiz, they're the only ones you can take serious. The rest of them, you can't really. I mean, you've got Darby Allen and Sting, they've been up as a tag team together, but they're not a tag team. They're two singles guys. So, who else? They're claimed. I mean, they're probably going to be off telly because one of them's got done for kind of, kind of <laughs> doing rape jokes and stuff. So, he's going to be off. The hybrid <laughs> two. Yeah, so they're not going to make it then. Best friends as well. They've they've had their chance. It's it's just stop start with them as well. I'd like to see them get a bit more of a push, but it looks as if they're, they're holding off on them. And they've got private party who started off well, who are now just kind of right down the card, even though they're associated with with Matt Hardy. They turned them heel. Um, probably the one with the biggest untapped potentials to the varsity blondes. I mean that's your Brian Pillman and I can't mind the other guy's name, but they are two good two good wrestlers and Pillman especially we discussed him in pods before that he's ready to break out now I would like to see him get involved and I'm trying to think if they're going to do this whole storyline with where Flair actually comes in and, and, and Anderson's obviously there Dean Malenko's there Tully Blanchard JJ Doug get, get Pillman Jr. involved is that, is that sort of a new sort of horseman sort of thing he's, he's ready to break out um so uh, he's one that I'd, I'd like to see in Varsity Blondes. I'd like to see him further up the, the card. And you've got Gals and Anderson, but they're officially free impact. So, I mean, it's on paper. It's a good, it's a, it looks a good division. It's just they don't seem to trust the other teams out with the Young Bucks and, and FTR, which is stupid when you think at the booking of that um, division's left down to Tony Khan and the Young Bucks, really. That's what happens when the talent's got the pencil. Yeah. Precisely. <laughs> Craig, what's your thoughts? I mean, I spoke earlier on about people being cast the right way. The young bucks seem to think of themselves as the new road warriors combined with demolition, combined with the, the British Bulldogs. Uh, I'm not a fan. I'd sooner shut up and just clap with young bucks match. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just for, for me, I know sometimes you suspend your disbelief by watching wrestling, but you know, that's just not, not for me. <laughs> <clears throat> No, it's not for me either. They just it's um, you know see if, they, see if they were a team, right? See if they were a team and they acted their size and they acted like sort of a new rockers or a new Hardy Boys. I think people would buy them and they would they would sort of tolerate them, but they seem to like a Superman. Oh, or is it? Are they trying to go for the, what they used to call it the back of the expat heat? You know. Yeah, I think that's what they're getting just now, really, rather than that sort of chicken shit heel heat, they're getting go-away heat. 
Look at us, we've conned some dumbass into starting a wrestling promotion, we've brought our fans, and we're going to make book ourselves be bigger than we ever could be in the real world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, yeah, and for that also see Rhodes, Cody, but <laughs> that's just my opinion. <laughs> Sorry, you're not a fan of Cody Rhodes, but again, that is a pod for another day, we'll maybe do a wee AEW pod and we'll get Craig back on and, and get him, but I just I was looking at the history of the WWF tag team and I'm just gonna give you a couple of quick teams, right, and see if you can name, right? Uh I'll give you the date as well that they won the tag titles, right? right. And you mm-hmm. can tell me who which wrestlers make them up, right? Soul Patrol won it on November the fifteenth, nineteen eighty three. No idea. That's sure um, who have we got? The Dream Team, August 24th, 1985. Dream Team? Jesus. That was no even born. Um, oh, I don't know. Is this WWF? You all, that was it. Yep, you obviously didn't watch your uh, WWF Treasures, so that was British Barber Beefcake and Greg Valentine. Oh, get away with you. <laughs> they actually won tag right. titles. I they, they were over like Rover for a while. Oh, uh, uh, here an easy one, side. You'll get this one. The Colossal Connection, December 13th, 1989. Colossal Connection? I can remember the... I can't remember the names. I'm trying to think. Did they have a manager? They did. They're part of the Heenan family. Oh. Andre and Haku. That's it. Well done. Well, I'm trying to think if there's any other names here that would maybe throw you off. I mean, nah, that's sort of it. You'll know them all after them. But I mean, you look at right some of those names, and then you've got Demolition, Hearts, Nasty Boys, Craig's We Guilty Pleasure in there, the LOD, Natural Disasters, who all know the Steiner Brothers, Money Inc. And then it's like the Quebecers. So like yeah. 93, the Division Tales. Men on a Mission, yeah. Men on a Mission, the 123 Kid and Marty Gennetti, right? And we're going to talk oh, about the Marty and the Shauna teams in a minute. That's when Well Done came into it. Timothy Well and Stephen Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. They are bloody hopeless. I'm looking at other names here. 123 Kid and Bob Hawley. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is how... This is poor the roster was mid nineties. Um two dudes with actually some smoking guns are probably the only consistent team. A wee bit like the new they are now, like from sort of my vantage point, which is a, a distance, I will give you that. Uh, the body donors and then it sort of starts to pick up where they sort of start to put a wee bit more time in it and I, I wonder how much of an impact Jim Cornette had. Obviously he's famous for his love of tag team wrestling and now, again, I'm not saying that these teams will ever rival at the Hearts or anything like that, but you've got the Godwins, you've got the Smoking Guns. This is 96, we're into. Uh, you've got Owen Hart and the Bulldog, who were a legit team. Then they started putting them on people like Austin and Michael, that we talked about, the Headbangers, the LOD, yeah. the New Age Outlaws. I quite like um, the Headbangers at times. Again, a good period for them to get pushed, and they just didn't, didn't strap the rocket to them. And if you're, if you're, Craig, were you ever a mosher? Were you into, like, that sort of thing? Was that ever your scene? Yeah, I was more Cypress Hill round about that, John. 
But yeah. there were people that, that would have been into that lifestyle and sort of thing. There's there certainly yeah. a, a, a culture. That you say the smoking guns were like the mainstay of the tag division. Another problem, you know, that I think you've got is that and it's great for the lads that are working, but sometimes they're just there too long. You know, the smoking yeah. guns were on a team for three and a half years. The new day had been together for seven. And, you know, they're not three and a half years with five pay-per-views a year. Or mm-hmm. even twelve. It's now you know seven years with probably about eighteen or nineteen pay per views a year plus you know three hours of television. So it's you know it's great like when you used to look at you know oh, two years in WCW, three years in WWE, and float backwards and forwards and keep it fresh. But I mean you're looking at fifteen years of the Miz now, you know mm-hmm. almost twenty, almost twenty of Orton. <laughs> it's yeah, good for as a criticism I've had in many many pods where people and it's probably, we've discussed it before it's perhaps a lot down to wrestlers remaining healthier which is obviously a good thing right we don't want people dying at 35 and stuff like that but it's they're staying longer and like you say I mean perhaps if you count I'm a great believer and if you count don't count years right because it's a different world but like Craig said there, count and pay-per-views, so if you count how long Hogan was champion in pay-per-views, it'd, be, it'd probably be a lot shorter than you actually think. But because it was over, like Craig said, four, two, three, four pay-per-views a year, it's going to be a lot longer in years. But it's something that I've complained about. And again, we could sit and do another pod, and perhaps we will. Because I think I've seen it come up on Facebook today that the, the IC match at SummerSlam 2010 or something I could be corrected on this right I don't know off the top of my head was like Kofi Kingston versus The Miz and something like that and you're like that's the people are still active on the roster they're still on Raw every week and mm-hmm. I don't I don't rate Kofi Kingston I don't know what you boys think of Kofi no. Kingston I, I don't think he was ever main, main event material yeah. Craig it's <laughs> It's your Daniel Bryan, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero thing. It's like once the fans really get behind them, it's it's a reluctant push, you know. I mean, how long? Probably Daniel Bryan's the exception, but yeah, okay, fine, have it, have the title, but you're not going to have it for more than six months. Um, and then I also think there's also a lot of like a, a Vince, you know. Okay, if that's what you want at WrestleMania, I'm going to give you something else, so you can have Daniel Bryan as the champion. But God damn it, the Undertaker streak's ending. Or you can have Kofi at this, I mean, as a champion, but you're not seeing The Undertaker. Um, often the thing that when Vince has to give what the fans are saying they want, he then, uh, he'll give with one hand and take away with the other. And that sort of punishment? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. It's, but uh, when they did push Kofi, I thought that they should have turned Biggie heel right away, mm-hmm. more or less right away. And they're giving you, I thought that would have elevated them. And I think they're trying now. Don't know how successful they'll be with it, but it'll. It might work. him into a babyface. I know, it's, it's, it's strange, but again, Evolution, that was a brilliant story, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah remember I where, Remember when Triple H turned on, was Orkney turned on first? After he took the title off yeah. Benoit, he was jealous, he turned on him. So there you go, I know that's not, that's a faction, not a tag team, but you generally get the gist of it. 
and then it breaks up and you've got the whole Triple H turning on Batista. And remember, he was trying to get him to uh, sign that was at the contract for JBL's title. Mm-hmm. And then he done the whole thumbs down yeah, thing. That was uh, good. Again, that, that that comes out and this is the wee things you can make and it's it's uh, it's it's a lost art if you ask me. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at some other ones. I mean, we talk about the sort of upcycle of the late 90s and from after the New Age Outlaws, we've sort of become that team that was there and thereabouts for ages, but you've got the Acolytes, you've got the Hardys, X-Pac and Kane, that big man, little man thing that, again, WWF so keen on doing. Sai, who was on Holy Alliance? August 22nd, 1999. Was it Midian and somebody else? No. No? Yeah, oh, big, big Show and big show Undertaker. Craig, do you remember the story that Undertaker told about driving out of the desert on a motorbike and big show going back with snakeskin boots or something? This is when they were really trying to get to get big show over and but again, this was, this was, this was, you know, sit under the learning tree. Big shows came out mm-hmm. on Big Monday in February. He's, you know, not performing as they expect, but if you turn someone face and heel every month, what the hell do you expect? Um, and they pay him up <laughs> Undertaker. Do you, do you know? And, uh, you know, that, that's the sort of thing, that's the advantage of the high team scene. I mean, probably up to now about 2000, 99 to early 2000. And then you've got, so we've got Doug Lewis just coming in, Hardy's Edge and Christian. So the, yep. I'd, say, I'd say the the Renaissance started with that Terry Invitational. Yeah. I'll have to tweet Terry tonight about that, just speaking about <laughs> your hand. For the, for those of you who don't follow Craig on Twitter, and we will put his handle on the uh, the body of the show description. He, he's a big, 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 big fan of Terry Reynolds, Marlena. Uh, why is that, Craig? Well, there's just two things I love about her. <laughs> her. Her ability to manage and her personality. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, but no, that, that, is, that is a classic, classic match. And like you say, that, that tag team invitational was a uh, No Mercy October 99, am I right in saying that? That's right, yep. The finale. And again, but sigh. <laughs> Much like everything that happens in wrestling, something takes off the ladder match, which had been done what, twice before, am I right in saying? Mm-hmm. Again, my memory's yeah. not the best, which the SummerSlam and WrestleMania with Sean and Razor, they would have the first tag title. It wasn't even tag title, it was just tag team ladder yeah, match. No, and, you had Rock and, and Triple H, SummerSlam 98. Just that's right. Good memory. But it's also a very good match as well. Um, yeah. Oh, that's and that horrible handicap match at King of the Ring 99. Austin oh, against Austin so McMahon. Nah, I didn't like that one. Uh, that's, that wasn't very good. But they really took tag team wrestling to a new level. And, of course, out of the... Out of the... What would you call it? The fire comes the Phoenix to save tag team wrestling. But then they also spawned the, the live, live tag team stunt show. Which would soon involve <laughs> tables, ladders, and chairs, and well, we may as well touch on it now. I'll ask you first, Sai. You a fan of tables, ladders, and chairs? Oh, I bet I love seeing somebody just fill up at twenty-five feet and smashing through things. So yeah, I big fan of DLC matches, and especially the, the first couple. I mean, that's they, they're the benchmark ones. When, when Edge, I think Edge Christian won the first two. I'm sure. So, um, I, yeah, early. 
fantastic. Um, now it's not so much because they kind of when they do their pay per views, that TLC pay per views is kind of gimmicked out. It's not, but um, early days when the, the match first came in, it was it was brilliant. And who doesn't love people falling through tables? Craig, fan of the stunt shows that is TLC matches. I think once in a blue moon, and when it's done for a purpose, it works perfectly. But when it just becomes, oh, we're having a table ladders and chairs match, then not so much. And probably another pod for another day, but it's the whole calendar system of pay-per-views now and trying to fit them around. It's like, oh, hell in a cell's next month. Oh, well, you're in that, but you're only feeding for a month. So what's the point of being a hell in a cell? Um, Etc. 100%. It's... When the Hardys and the Dudleys and Eddie Christian came round to do this, they came down for a reason. It's like they all had their own weapon, and it sort of fitted perfectly into the neat little circle, and it became a thing. And it it worked. They all like the Dudleys obviously brought their tables in. The Hard Eddie Christian was a concerto one to, and then the Hardys obviously they won the ladder match. It all fit perfectly, and it came together. For a very, very good reason. Like you say, now, and we don't want to moan too much because, again, we could moan forever, but when we just wheel out these things, like you say, oh, there's a pay per view coming up, Hell in a Cell, we're going to have four cell matches, we're going to have a women's one, we're going to have two of them, and then we're going to have another one just for fun, and there's very little we can do, and they suck. That's how that wee bit, but again, we don't want to go off on a tangent. Um, but we were talking there about the sort of renaissance of tag team wrestling it did come back in the, the late 90s the early noughties again it goes in a small downward curve after this and you've got people like Rico and Rikishi Billy and Chuck uh, the Un-Americans Hurricane I can't even remember Hurricane being a thing anyone remember the Hurricane and Kane winning the belts they had a TLC match where it was like Hurricane and Kane but Hurricane was attacked beforehand against Bubba and Spike, Christian and Jericho, I think, and yep. uh, Rob Van Dam and Jeff Hardy. See, I mean, they just start throwing things. Cause if you look at the people that won it, right, Hurricane won the belts, then Christian and Chris Jericho, Booker T and Goldust, William Reed. Oh, like their team was called Gold. It's, but it's just, it's just singles guys' names. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, like we said, let's just throw two guys together. And then you've got Chief Morley and Lance Storm. Oh, that's when it started to get downhill. And names like that were winning it. So. Uh, again, we're fast-forwarding through history. Lance oh, Lawrence, yeah. Eugene and William Regal, William hmm. Regal and Tajiri, The Hurricane and Rosie, Lance Cade and Trevor Murdoch, Rick Flair and Roddy Piper in 2006. I actually seen them defend their belts in Glasgow. Um, uh, that November 2006, it must have been. Uh, I think I was there as well. And then, remember Paul London and Brian Kendrick had the belt for ages? Yeah. Ages and ages and ages. And they were a small team, but like, they had nothing else to do with it. Same Punk and Kofi Kingston. Again, this is when I sort of zoned out. The Colognes. I hated the Colognes. Remember they used to come out with that wee, um, the wee bull guy? Ah, uh, that's for the wee package, was it? Oh. Uh, that's that's uh, what, right. Lost Matadores or something I can't remember. 
hated it, man. The first, the first collage was Carlito and the other one, and then yep. the second one was Primo and Epico with the bull. Mm-hmm. Primo and Epico, that's the ones I hated. Because if, yes, you, if you the jump off, man. If you jump over by this point, they've introduced another uh, set of titles over in SmackDown, but with the exception of the Guerreros, it's again, it's you know, two random guys chucked together. It was Mysterio and Edge and Benoit and Angle. But, you know, that was Summer uh, Survivor Series 02. By Royal Rumble 03, you've got Angle and Benoit split up and having one of the greatest matches ever seen. Yeah. Uh, We've went quite long. We'll wrap it up. It's just, it's a slow decline of tag team wrestling. I'll ask you one question I'll ask. I'll start with Craig this time. Is there any way they can get the prestige back in tag team wrestling in either company? And if so, how would you do it? What would you would you change anything? Would you add something? Would you take away a set of belts? What would you do? How do you fix tag team wrestling and make it relevant and make it a main event style caliber match? Is there anything you could do to even set that in motion in these days? Yeah. Uh, I think we're talking about less is more. So less belts. Um, almost having like, which then opens you up to having, you know, rank, not quite rankings per se, but, you know, establishing who's going to be your contender because they're having non-title matches on television lead up to the, um, you know, defend them on a pay-per-view, gradually move it up the card and not just on the pre-show and um, start letting these guys go out there and deliver a, a lost art that um, is worthy of, you know, main eventing a wrestling show rather than being a, a part of a road on the way to a, a world title picture. 100%. Sai, you get anything to add that you could say would make tag team wrestling more relevant, more fun? Um, yeah. I feel like a better chance of it being more relevant again on uh, Dynamite or whatever, or Rampage or whatever, if you can maybe limit the tag teams to one of those two shows um, and then keep, like I've received your young box, keep them feuding with actual tag teams. Don't be having them jump into whoever's Kenny Omega's feuding with a week or month as well. Keep the tag teams feuding with each other is the way I would like to see it happen. And that way you're exposing more. I mean, case in point, Varsity Blondes, get them involved with the Young Bucks as well, and just have the two of them focus on each other uh, for a month or two and then lead into a pay-per-view match, even if they don't win, do you know what I mean? It's it's, it's focusing on, the, on a new team, and it's the way forward um, for, for tag team rest, especially AEW, who are claiming that they are the best tag team uh, brand in the world. So it's time to start proving it, especially in their part. Um, I think WWE's a lost cause, especially while Vince McMahon's around, it's going to be a lost cause trying to get peaked and interested again in, in the tag division so no, I think you'll probably see more jumps from, uh, especially the tag sort of side of things from WWE to AEW over the next year or two and get them, that's it, just get the actual tag champs feuding with tag teams Yeah, I agree with both years. I think we cut back on the tag belts, we make them special again we don't just say these two have got nothing to do, send them out and Two weeks later, they're challenging for the tag belts. Make them, make them contenders. Make them sort of list of teams. And again, when we come back, we talked about 
the tournament um, aspect of it, the Dusty Rose Classic, you know, put, put that up on, you know, a mainstream pay-per-view as itself, mm-hmm. you know, even at, at the Great American Bash or at Dusty's birth, I wanted to do some tribute to or such things, but you know, give that showcase. I hundred percent. Um, so many things you can do. It's it's a it's a market that's been underutilized, and tag teams sell merch as well. You know, what I mean, if, if you want to get in the merch route, you can get some good merch out of good tag teams. There's been lots and lots of good stuff through the years that have come from tag teams been over. And I say we barely scratched the surface today. We could go into the midnight. We could go into the LOD. We could go into the rock and roll and go down all those. Um, we'll maybe continue another day, but. I think there's life in tag team wrestling. I would love to, again, try and separate it from the the rest of the main roster. Don't just have any two guys can beat your tag champs just because you need something for your, your top guys to do. Make yeah. it a skill. Make it a fine art. Make make it mean something to be in a tag team. And, again, do things like the bar. If you are going to repackage people as two singles wrestlers in a tag team, don't just have it for six months or six weeks. Have them do it for a year. Have them do it for a couple of years if possible and then find that natural breakup point and then utilise it and then hopefully by the time you come out of your tag team run, you're then ready to go after an IC belt. I mean, the two that we always heart back to Sai are Sean and Brett and those yep. two both came out of their tag teams. They went at the IC belt level. They proved themselves. They worked their way up and eventually Sean became the greatest of all time and Brett became a, a B plus player, but again, that, that's a, a pod for another day. <laughs> mm. I guess, of course, I, I guess. Um, well, lads, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Craig, thank you for joining us both. We'll definitely be back on and we'll maybe let you choose the topic next time. Sweet. Uh, Cheers, thank you for that. As always. <laughs> Jay, you there? You away? Yeah. No, I'm here, I. No, I could have a good show tonight. No, I just enjoyed, obviously, discussing the subject at hand, and we'll pick another one next week. So, no, um, I've enjoyed this, and hopefully the tag scene will, will pick up, because, I mean, you guys are obviously passionate on it. You, you've got more insight into it than I do, but, no, hopefully the, it'll turn around in the, the coming weeks and months ahead. And I think we'll maybe get Gary on, and we'll maybe do a wee quiz or something like that. Who doesn't want Yeah, yeah let's do it. Um. We'll get Craig. Do you want to come on and do a quiz one time? Oh, aye. No problem aye. at all. Aye. We'll get Gary. Gary's a resident quiz master. Can I ask Colin? Because Colin cheats. Colin's a serial cheat. Uh, aye, that's what we'll do. Right, lads, it's a pleasure. I thought Sai was going to talk to me there because I slide Brett for being a B-class player. But um, until yes. next time, we will speak to you <laughs> soon. Thank you very much for listening. Good night. Catch you later. At Quite The Thing Media, we aim to bring you the best podcasts produced by independent creators, made without constraints.